Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens, and I'm in the studio of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse here in Antigua. Sitting across the desk from me is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who are listening tonight. Pastor, uh, as you, I know, are well aware, this last Friday, a terrorist in New Zealand shot and killed 49 people, or at least 49 people, in two mosques in the city of Christchurch. It's been all over the world news. But since February, so just two weeks, there have been at least 120 people killed in a series of attacks by Fulani militants upon Christian communities in Nigeria. Why is it that a shooting where 50 people, 50 Muslims are shot in New Zealand gets a week's worth of coverage, but where 120 people have been massacred by Muslims, Christians massacred by Muslims in Nigeria, we don't hear about it on the news. Is there a conspiracy, or am I just reading something into this? I don't think you're reading into it. I really believe that there is a bias in the media against Christianity, and I'm speaking in particular about the media in America, the media in, in England and the media in Europe. There is definitely a conspiracy against Christianity. And it seems that somehow, some strange way, they try to ingratiate themselves into the favor of the Islamic group. And so what they highlight is uh, um, when Islamic groups, and this is something that's done fairly consistently, by the way, not just in Nigeria, uh, Sudan and others as well. Uh, when there's a brutal attack against Christians, the churches are burnt and believers are slaughtered. The media is pretty much silent on this matter. And I really believe that there's a disparity between Christianity, their, their favor, the Muslim religion, as opposed to Christianity. In America, I think that is so, mainly because 81% of the evangelicals in the last election, they voted for President Trump. 81% of all evangelicals. So I believe that um, that the media, which is in cahoots with the, the, the Democratic Party, I believe that anything to, um, that shows any kind of disfavor to the Christian, Christianity uh, would be highlighted. Anything that um, in any way would elevate Christianity is completely ignored. So I do feel there's a, a bias. I do feel that it's, it's a real bias there. And um, this is just part of the whole conspiracy against the Christian faith. This evening on the program, we're going to be discussing a movement that has its roots in Eastern religion, but is still influencing society here in the West. 
Although it has an attraction to many people from an assortment of backgrounds, the New Age movement can be difficult to define. Some would claim it's just a collection of positive philosophies, while others would contend that it's a repackaging of the occult. We plan on the program tonight to give you an overall perspective of the New Age movement and compare it to biblical truth. Pastor, let's start out by how would you define the New Age movement or what is meant by the New Age movement? One of the problems of dealing with the New Age movement is to actually find a definition that is satisfactory to most people. The reason for that is uh, it is kind of an umbrella term uh, for different religious groups and uh, different religious beliefs. There's no centralized uh, doctrine. There's no uh, particular centralized leadership. There's no churches, etc., etc. It is just a combination of many different beliefs, and and uh, it's more like an uh, an eclectic system that draws from many different sources. Uh, but it has some core teachings that are common to all of these different groups. So it is really a, a di- kind of a divergent um, umbrella term that describes these diverse uh, groups. Uh, but they share one uh, enthusiastic belief, and that that we're entering a new era uh, that will be finally exemplified by harmony and enlightenment, and that we to achieve that goal, we have to get to a higher consciousness where we unite with the God consciousness. So it is. it has many, many different ideas, but it's more of an eclectic system rather than, it, to define it is very difficult because it has, it pulls from so many different areas. For example, um, it pulls from Eastern religions, uh, especially Hindu religion with its pantheistic teaching. It, it also pulls from the occult. Uh, some of the practices like uh, visualization um, is part of your cult. And then it also grows from the, what is called the new consciousness groups that try to, um, man must get in contact with the divinity within himself. And when he realizes that he is divine, he then his whole goal is to mesh with the ultimate um, consciousness so that there's a meshing between man and the divine so that man loses his identity. And then it also has the element of the human potential movement, those who advocate that we have all that we need within ourselves. We just need to tap into those resources. And our problem is not sin, our problem is ignorance, but we just need to understand that we're little gods in the making. And uh, the reason why that we are so uh, undeveloped is because we've lost knowledge of this fact, and we now need to regain this knowledge so that we can once again develop and grow and become full personalities. You mentioned that they have as a an end means or an end goal that we lose our identity in the greater consciousness. Mm. Is that biblical? Does God teach us that we are individuals? Are we supposed to be a collective unit? Well, this is one of the basic problems today is that it, the Bible makes it very clear man will never be God. Man will never mesh with God so that he loses identity. Um, even when we uh, have, after, take the experiences of um, an amount of transfiguration, when we meet Moses and we meet Elijah, there's still Moses and Elijah. They haven't lost identity. Uh, so there's no biblical base for us losing our identity that we becoming gods. We become like Christ, but never would we ever be gods in ourselves. This is the, another error that um, is part of the Mormon re- belief system, 
that one day we we are evolving, we will become gods. And just like Jehovah created this planet, we will one day be with a god, with a goddess. We will create our own children and develop our own planets. Uh, it is it's all part of the, the, the idea that man is divine. And however you look at it, by the way, whether the New Age movement or other movements, basically, the same concept is that man is divine and that man needs to understand who he is. And I, I recognize his identity. And this is part of the, the process of becoming higher conscious. It's interesting that you made a point that we will not become gods. Just today I was watching a video clip of a well-known televangelist, and he was teaching that he was using the verse. He said, everything produces after its kind. Mm -hmm. And then he said, God produced us. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we are gods. How would you respond to that? Well, we say that we're made in the image of God, but we're never told in the Bible that we are God. See, let me respond to something. This is the same lie that we find in the Garden of Eden. So the New Age movement and all of these movements moving man to the idea that he's God is exactly the big deception that was laid in the Garden. You shall be gods, knowing good and evil. So it's the same deception that caused man to fall, the same deception is being repackaged and being used again. Remember that uh, Satan promised... Uh, our original forefathers that godhood they promised that you'd be wise knowledge and you'll have power and you'll be autonomous those are the five things really that every major religious movement that talks about godhood they're offering us today they're offering us that we be gods that we be enlightened we'll have knowledge we'll have power and of course we'll be autonomous and independent this is the general trend of a lot of these religions so Satan is if I'm understanding you right, Satan is just repackaging down through the years in different names, different religions, the same lie that he gave to Adam and Eve. Doesn't change. But here's it, uh, Nathan. If he was able to deceive man in his holy state in, in, when he was sinless, and that, that deception worked, now we're living in an age where the, the world has been scrubbed of God because of evolution, and that has left a void. And what is left, man is now searching for something, some meaning, some purpose. That's where the enemy comes in now and uses a different form of religion. And now tell him there's not a God out there somewhere. You're a God in yourself. You need to find out that you're really God and become enlightened. So it, it's a, it comes in a different form as we package. But it worked then, and it's working today. It's even working not only in New Age movement. As you mentioned, some of the religious groups today, the... Um, the faith movement, the word of faith movement, that you can speak reality into existence, that you can visualize what you want, and once you can visualize it, you can have it. It is all part of this shamanistic um, um, mental telepathy power that they have, but it is actually crept into the church. And this is where Paul talks about the ultimate deception that the day is coming according to Second Thessalonians, that man will actually worship man. The Antichrist that is coming is going to be a man, and we will turn around and worship him because that scene, when you get away with God, and you remove God, and you scrub God from society, that God has to be replaced. It's not a question whether or not man would follow religion, it's what religion man will follow, because man is incurably religious. I was watching a, another video clip today, and it was of Joel Osteen, and he said, you should say, I am attractive, and you will be attractive. Don't ever say I am not attractive because you'll be not attractive. Yeah. And but the whole 
Yeah, um, that is one of the techniques called affirmation. Yeah, right. And by the way, this is not just this is not just a Christian thing. This is something that was done in the occult, affirming yourself and believing. And you could, if you keep saying positive things about yourself, whatever you say positively, you can realize in your life. It, it, it's a kind of a shamanistic uh, tool that is used, but for some reason it's crept into the church and nobody has raised the alarms and these televangelists bring it into our homes and people it's generalized in society and then it's, it's beginning to be practiced mm-hmm. but it's an occult system an occult means a technique that is used by the occults you're listening to that's truth a live call-in program here on the caribbean radio lighthouse the voice that you're hearing is that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy. He pastors Grace Baptist Church here in Antigua. He's been ministering here in the Caribbean. He's originally from Barbados, been ministering in the Caribbean for over 30 years. He's here to answer your questions, and we are discussing the New Age movement tonight. But if you have a question about any topic and what the Bible says about it, uh, we would be interested in hearing your question. You can contact us by being put live on the air. The phone number is 268-462-7420. I'll give that to you again a little slower. If you'd like to call and be put live on the air, 268-462-7420. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question, you can do that also. And the phone number is different for WhatsApp and text than from calling live on the air. So let me give you the WhatsApp or text number. It is 268-782-1454. Thank you to those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live tonight. You can comment your question alongside the video or underneath the video on your device, and it will be passed along to Pastor Murphy. Pastor... You defined the New Age movement a little bit, but let's start back at its history. Uh, Well, generally speaking, um, it's a movement that, in terms of um, modern history, it really became very popular in the 70s and the 80s. And... um, but it, it goes far, far much further than that historically. The guy, David Sprangler, uh, is really the person in the 1980s and 70s that really uh, advocated this movement and got it going at a great level. And then uh, um, Shirley MacLaine, the, the actress, she wrote the book Out on the Limb, and she talked about her experience astral travel uh, experience with UFOs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they began to spread it. But when you begin to think of the the, the whole New Age movement, uh, you got to understand the setting that actually led to this movement becoming so popular. Uh, remember that in the sixties and the fifties, you had the beatniks, you had the Vietnam War, you had a lot of racial uh, injustice, you had neo-Marxists beginning to rise out of that, you had rock music, uh, which was really the the uh, galvanizing political uh, protests. You had the Beatles generation, and uh, and of course the Beatles had turned to TM. Uh, also, during this period of time, you remember that Aldous Huxley and Timothy Leary, these are prominent people, uh, who started experimenting with hallucinogenic drugs. And they're the ones that encourage people to, to use drugs in order to get this higher consciousness. Um, and then there was a guy called Carlos Castaneda who wrote the book Don Juan, uh, which has to do with his experiences in sorcery using um, um, the mushrooms that the, the Indians would use. And he talked about all of the experiences, wrote this book about these mystical experiences. 
and his use of psych psychedelic drugs and the effect it had on his mind. And then The Age of Aquarium was written, uh, again advocating the, the New Age movement. But all of this happened in a vacuum because science had robbed uh, society and man of any belief in God, and it had sanitized God out of the social system and God had to be replaced. So if evolution hadn't been on the scene, you don't think it would have had its roots? Absolutely not. I mean, you've got, as a result of the teaching of evolution, there's no God. Man had to fill that void. And of course, they filled it with, with music, they filled it with sex, they filled it with rebellion, uh, and then they started filling it with a new spirituality, which had to, be, had to do with a higher consciousness. And... Uh, so what happened really is that by evacuating the universe of God, they thought that they had displaced God, but then this vacuum had to be filled. It's at this juncture, by the way, that the religions from the East started coming into the West. And the p people who turned from biblical spirituality now began to turn back to these Eastern religions. And so now you have this the Eastern religion coming into this whole mix with drugs. And out of this, um, you have this new idea that's a new spirituality. Uh, so there are many factors, including the drug culture, including the the demise of the scientific evolution that couldn't fill the void that, that God was gone, had not to be filled. The Eastern religions came in, and a lot of the New Age thought, New Age beliefs, actually are from Eastern religion, especially Hinduism, uh, began to fill that void. And then people turned to the occult again during the 60s and the 70s, because there's no God, who do we turn to? Uh, and don't forget the threat of nuclear war between America and the, and the Soviet Union, the, the Cold War. People weren't too sure what would happen. So that void had to be filled, that vacuum had to be filled. And uh, so all of these things came in at the same time. And it's out of this uh, conglomeration of ideas that developed this New Age movement about a higher consciousness. But it basically has its fundamental roots in Hinduism, which has to do with... Uh, God is in everything, and everything is God. So that, those are basically the, how we, we got to where we are in terms of this New Age movement and the ide ideology that it holds to. How did it come up with its name? Um, I don't have an answer for that. Mm. I can't remember exactly. I know a book was written on that uh, called The New Age, mm. and, but I don't, I don't remember who the person wrote. Are you familiar with its ties to astrology and the stars? Yeah, it's also, again, this is part of the occult system. That uh, was part of that as well. Uh, and that is why it's hard to define it, because, as I said, there's so many different branches of it, so many different elements, so many tentacles that form this, this, this part of it. But it, it also involves astrology, and it has to do with the, the stars and directing the affairs of people. And uh, that's why you find in the newspapers you have these horoscopes. There are business people who don't make decisions until they read the horoscope. There are people who don't get married until they make the horoscope. If they're going to make a personal decision, they go to the horoscope. It's all part of the idea that one is all and one is all. Uh, one is all and all is one. And, and, the, and so all of these factors come in uh, to this, this movement. How would you respond to a person who says, I don't believe that Christianity is the answer, I don't believe that Judaism is or Islam. I think that every world religion has a little bit of truth in it, and God or the, the supreme being has hidden a little bit of truth, a nugget of truth in every religion in order to keep it safe so that if a particular religion were to go into extinction, that that truth would not be lost. 
Uh, it's interesting that you had mentioned that because that's also part of the New Age movement that all religions basically uh, share common features. And uh, there's, they, they really are highly against any idea of exclusivity or uniqueness. That if you want to be exclusive or unique, you, you know, it's, it's alien to this thought of the New Age movement. Um, but I think it is, here's another problem, uh, Nathan. I, I want to say that all can't be right because they all teach different things. Mm-hmm. The problem with the New Age movement is that you don't use your mind to decide it's your experience. The mind is a barrier to the New Age movement. So just like you can't use logic in the New Age movement, what they want is to have this experience, this uh, this um, higher consciousness experience. And that's why you use drugs, that's why you use meditation, that's why you use chanting and dancing. You get out of your mind where you don't have any control of your mind whatsoever. As long as you're in control of your mind, you cannot have this higher conscious experience. So to argue with a New Age person, it's difficult to use logic because his... His decision is not based on logic or reason. It's based on experience. And that experience cannot even be codified. He cannot really explain to you in words exactly what happened. He just knew he had this experience that's out of this world. Uh, so that's the difficulty of it. So you're saying that they are more based on experience and also emotion? You know, w- it's, it, more, it's more experience. Uh, the emotional part of it comes when you, you go out of your mind and you get this, 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 this tension removed from you. Okay. So you are like you. You, I mean, I have not had this experience, so it's yeah. difficult for me to, to to talk about it. But the whole goal is that you have lost control of your mind. Your your mind is is negative. It's like putting your car in neutral, let it drive. You have no control, and and uh, the experience either with drugs or meditation or chanting this particular word that's called this ma- mantra. Remember, mantra basically is the name of a Hindu god. You're just repeating that. This is where now spirit powers take over your mind and give you experiences that you've never had earthly experiences. This is what they call the higher consciousness and, you know, meshing with the ultimate reality. They don't realize the deception of it that there are evil spirits behind this whole process. But that's the attraction of it. And then they'll tell you, I never had an experience like this. Well, of course you never had an experience like this because you were in control of your mind. And that's the danger uh, of, of um, pu- uh, opening your mind to powers and forces. I am of the opinion and um, that this is where drugs, whether it be marijuana or whether it be cocaine or crack or heroin, whatever it is, as long as you do not have control of your mind, I am totally convinced that you open a door to demonic powers to begin to influence you. That's why people talk about hearing voices. No doubt about they hear voices, but those are the voices of demonic spirits that are working in that person's life. What about, you're saying you shouldn't use mind or drugs that uh, cause you to lose control of your mind. If I'm needing heart surgery and they're going to put me under, as a Christian, should I let that bother my conscience? Well, that's something, that's an anesthetic, really, and that is something that uh, puts you to sleep. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. You don't go to a higher consciousness position. You don't even know what's happening. But in in this this state of higher consciousness, your mind is constantly aware of what is happening. In other words, it's like, uh, again, because I've not been through it, I can only talk about what I've read, what people have told me, Uh, but it is apparently a very uh, profound aesthetic experience that is very euphoric that people go through. 
uh, and I don't dispute that, but my, my, my contention is God has never intended for you to lose control of your mind. I keep saying truth appeals to the mind. It can only appeal to the mind. And you go through the writings of the Apostle Paul, he always emphasizes the mind, the understanding. And he would say again, I would not have you to be ignorant. And all of the epistles are didactic epistles where Apostle Paul is teaching. He's directing truth to the mind. Uh, but in the New Age movement and these other forms that try to get this higher consciousness, the mind is the barrier. And they see the mind as the enemy. And that's why logic and reason does not appeal to this this particular group. We keep referencing different beliefs that they have or different uh, logic rationale. What are some of the beliefs of the New Age movement? Well, there are certain common beliefs that the New Age movement uh, have. And even though they are a divergent group, they all have at least six common beliefs. Uh, one is all is one. Second one is all is God. The third one is humanity is God, but man has lost that knowledge. He's ignorant and he needs to be reinformed and re-educated and re-enlightened to the fact that he is God. They always believe that you have to change your consciousness. Uh, as a matter of fact, they believe that the Western education and the Western knowledge has robbed man of its mystery. Uh, and that is where you now have to get back into this idea that you really are God and you need to connect with God. But the Western teaching has robbed you of that. So you have to um, turn back to, to get to the Then the third one is all religions are one, basically. And uh, they also believe in something called cosmic evolution, that the world is actually moving to an optimistic stage of peace and enlightenment. And when that occurs, we'll do it with poverty, uh, we do away with social issues, racism, um, all kinds of problems. Would I be don't resolved. know what world they're living in, but it's <laughs> it's not Earth. Well, it's not only the Earth. It's not it's not true to the biblical teaching because mm-hmm. the Bible tells us that things are not going to get better. They're going to escalate, and man is headed to a massive catastrophe. The whole world is going to collapse economically. That's when the Antichrist comes in. That he's the man that has the solutions to the problem, and the world will turn to him. But the the only optimism this world has. Biblically, is the Lord's return, His second coming, when He will establish His millennial rule, and Christ will then uh, take uh, the set up what is called a new world order, not like the one they're talking about, wherein His righteousness, etc. But it's an illusion that man can bring about peace, and that the illusion that man can bring about uh, solve all his problems. That's not going to happen. I have a quote here, and I want to have you kind of fact check it. Tell me if you would agree with it from a biblical perspective. This is a quote from a former New Age follower who recently converted to Christianity after a lot of study. He says, the New Age movement is basically Hindu mysticism boxed in occult knowledge and wrapped in a bow of paganism. And we're fed it and told that it's the highest form of spirituality out there. Well, the guy obviously has a way with words. Uh, notice he said, first of all, that it is Hindu mysticism. Mm-hmm. That is exactly right. The basis of Hindu mysticism is the idea of pantheism, that everything is God, God is one. Uh, so definitely that is true. Uh, the New Age movement uh, teaches that. 
they believe in something called monism. The ultimate reality is made of one, and it's, it's all spirit, basically. Uh, uh, so they don't believe there's any distinction between the material world and the spirit world. It's called monism. Everything is one. Now, we believe that God is spirit, but we believe that earth is different than God. They don't see it that way. They see that everything is, is one. So this monistic thought that ultimate reality uh, is one uh, means now that if that is true, I am a man, so therefore I am part of this one. It's, my problem is I have lost knowledge that I am I am I'm a small God on the inside. I got divine divinity within me, and I need to develop my full human potential. But this knowledge is lost, so I need to be re-enlightened. But to get re-enlightened, I have to have this higher consciousness experience. Now, how do I get that? I either do it through meditation, I do that through yoga, I do that through um, um, drugs. Whatever I do to get this experience is what I want is the experience. But once I have this experience, I will see that I connect. My spirit connects with that world spirit, world consciousness, and that elevates me and gives me a higher concept of my life. Pastor, we have a question that's come in from Antigua. Uh, Good night, Pastor Murphy and Brother Owens. God's blessing for your ministries and this program. Is Gnosticism part of the New Age movement? Yes, in the sense, as a matter of fact, they trace the New Age movement back to the, the second century. And uh, just like the Gnostics believe that there's a difference between, well, they had, this Gnosticism has to do with knowledge, secret knowledge that you have to gain. Uh, to, 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 uh, the more knowledge you get, the more you get in, you get more knowledge and you elevate and you elevate and you evolve to higher knowledge. Like the Freemasons? or that's the Well, Freemasonry has elements of Gnosticism, mm-hmm. but the, the point I'm making here about this one is that uh, take Gnosticism, where there's a form of Gnosticism that says that Jesus and Christ are different. Jesus was a man, and the Christ consciousness came upon Jesus. That's exactly what New Age teaching, that you have to find Christ consciousness. Right? Jesus found it, and he became the Christ. And the same consciousness that he found as a man, you now need to find. So the when they talk Christ consciousness, that is actually part of the Gnostic theory that there's a distinction between Jesus and Christ, but Jesus actually evolved in such a way that he actually became the Christ and be- had this, this consciousness called Christ consciousness. So there is truth to the fact that uh, the New Age movement is part of the, uh, has Gnosticism as part of it. We have a caller calling from Bendel's Antigua. Thank you for calling and go ahead. Hello, good night to be Panil. Good evening, sir. Um, Pastor Murphy, I have two questions to ask you, and I want to get some clarification on it. And first, it's in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, when Paul asks, Have you been received the Holy Ghost since you have been believed? And they say they haven't heard such a thing like the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Are, you, are you familiar with that? Yes, yes. That's when Paul met the believers at, I think it was Ephesus. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Oh, okay, and the second one is, um, if you're a Christian and you fall out, uh, you go back in the world and then you 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 make a new commitment back to God, and is it like that you have to go back and baptize or, or you have to make a new commitment to God? Okay, let me answer the first one. The first one had to do with these people that Paul had met. Um, they were disciples of John the Baptist. You remember that uh, John the Baptist had taught um, repentance, baptized unto repentance. Yes. Uh, John's baptism is not Christian, uh, Christian baptism. 
John's baptism is that to indicate that you want to follow God. You come and be baptized, and by being baptized, it indicates that you're repenting of your sins. You want to follow the Messiah. So it's a baptism unto repentance. Christian baptism it, it, it has to do with your identification with Christ. These believers had only known John's baptism, but they did not know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, remember in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, I think it's verse 13, uh, Paul talks about that we're all baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. Yeah. So they did not have the experience of Christian baptism, and they did not have the experience of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. These are like Old Testament believers who had heard uh, John preach, but had moved away from Jerusalem and now were Ephesus. So the the gospel, uh, in terms of the new the new uh, the new um, dispensation of grace, uh, that was not fully known to these people. And now Paul meets them, and Paul has to give them the higher knowledge that the Holy Spirit has come. Um, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, as opposed to uh, John's baptism. So that's what happened in the book of Acts. But it was it's important that the same people that. Um, Acts chapter 2, and then you go to Acts chapter 10. The same people have to be involved. In, uh, these are apostles. That's why the laying of hands is so important. Because they don't want to seem as though Paul being a, the, the, um, the missionary to the Gentiles and Peter being the missionary to the, the Jews. There must be no division in the body of Christ. It must all be seen to be one. And that's why it was so important for the apostles themselves to lay hands on these people. So there'd be no doubt whatsoever that they're all part of one body. But that has to do with John's baptism and, and, uh, and had to be brought up to date in terms of understanding what had actually taken place. These people had heard about the gospel, uh, but uh, as then they were not informed um, about all that had taken place after. They knew nothing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, when Paul met them, they're like Old Testament people who had just heard knowledge, but had the knowledge, but did not really have the full understanding of what had taken place. I don't know if that helps you. Yeah, yeah, very much. The um, other one, they fall back. Let me just say this. If the person is was genuinely saved, um, there is such a thing as backsliding. And what I mean yeah. by that, a person can go back away from the Lord and um, mess up their life. What I would say to a person who has gone through that experience, I would say that you need to look at your experience there and find out, was God chastening me? Was God dealing with me? Was God? Did God send people to talk to me? Did Did I hear the message and was under conviction? I must feel that while I'm away from God, that I'm His son, and I know that I'm a son of God when I'm away from Him because there's some chastening in my life. Maybe that you, you, you know it could be that your sickness, you, you lose your wife, you lose your husband. You know something happens. God has to do something if you're His child and you're away from Him. Yeah, so yeah. I would say to the person that is has gone into that state and recognize that God has been working in their life to bring them back to faith, um, that person who comes back to the Lord does not need to be rebaptized. He's already a child of God. Yeah. If you're a true child of God, you will always remain a true child of God. So it's just a matter of coming back to the Lord, seeking forgiveness and pardon, and being restored to the church. But there's no need for you to be rebaptized again. That makes absolutely no sense. Okay. Does that help you? Yes. Uh, let me ask one more thing, sir. But by the way, could I say something else? Yes, sir. If every time a person fell back and something happened, you had to get rebaptized, I think most Christians be baptized about 20 or 30 times. <laughs> 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 now, I'm serious, you know. Let's, let's face it. I don't have to go away from the church to be in a backslidden state. 
Yeah. I could be sitting in church, and my life could be s such a mess. So what I do then? I need to get saved and get rebaptized again? <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. If you're really a child of God, the Lord has promised to keep His own. And when we go away from Him, the Lord will chasten us and bring us back. That's a biblical principle that's there in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. Mm. Okay. Uh, let me ask one more thing, Pastor. Sure. Uh, uh, my friend of mine invited me to a, to a service. I go to a service with a friend, and then when I go to the service, the pastor come to me and asks me, if I say that I'm a Christian, he tell me, have you been baptized? I tell him, yes, I baptized already. He tell me, have you been baptized? Are you baptized already? I baptized in the name of the Son of the Holy Ghost and things. He said, no, it's a wrong baptism. So what baptized in the name of the Son? What do you mean, I tell Son is for that? I don't know what church is going, but listen to me. There's so much religious confusion out there. What I would say to you, sir? No, it's somebody that invites me. I understand, I understand, I understand. But his church, I don't know what group that is but there are some people that only baptize in the name of Christ but if you go to the Acts chapter 28 verse 18 and 19 baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit that's mm -hmm. a mandate that was given to the church so uh, I do not know why any person would um, want to baptize only in the name of Christ when we've been told to go into all the world and preach the gospel doing what Baptizing in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus Christ himself mandating to us uh, the form of baptism that we should um, exercise when we go into the world. So, that's why I tell my time, so what's wrong, what about Matthew chapter 28? Uh -huh. When he was about, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he, he just brushed it aside like, or he said, oh, unless you haven't received the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in tongues, you cannot go to heaven. <laughs> I say, well, I didn't come only for that. I told him I'm a Christian and I'm a believer yeah. and saved. And I don't know talking about about. This sounds like a charismatic church that is totally confused <laughs> because the Bible is very clear. Not everybody will speak in tongues. Tongues is a gift. Mm -hmm. And Paul makes it very clear that not everybody will speak in tongues. So if you use that as a basis, uh, you're actually going out the, the realm of the authority of Scripture and you're imposing a system on people that mm -hmm. is contrary to the Bible. That's why I would say to you and to every person who's listening and those who, we've got to get into the Word uh, because this is the age of deception. And it's not just deception in churches that are satanic or New Age churches. It's within even the evangelical realm. These things that begin to creep, creep into the church. Unless you're alert of what is happening, uh, a lot of evil practices are going on in the church and things that are contrary to Scripture are going on in the churches. And uh, you need to be alert of it, but the best thing to do is to arm yourself with Scripture and uh, don't fall for a lot of this false teaching that is going on within the Church of Jesus Christ. My brother, I'm cover, I'm cover, I'm cover underneath the blood, you know. Amen, amen. No one is able to plug <laughs> in out of my hand. Correct. So they can come, they can happen. Yeah. I know, I know, um, I've been living. Yeah. Let me warn you about one other thing, if I may warn you. Uh, be careful about going into churches where they want to put their hand on you. Well, the, well that's why I stop because when I go there, we had like you want to put the hand on me and want to force me speaking in tongue in me. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, be very careful. Very, very, very careful. There's something called transference that so you need to be very careful about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so please be very, very careful in that area. But I'm glad that you're mature and uh, you're using the scriptures to guide you. I'm so much appreciate that there are people out there who take the Bible seriously and follow in the scripture. God bless you, sir. Yes, yes. you know, and continue doing your good work and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Always good to 
Hear more voices on the Radio Lighthouse. Thank you for calling from Bendel's Antigua. Pastor, during that call, we had a WhatsApp question come in from Antigua. Why do these persons in the New Age movement always refer to the age of Aquarius? There's a book written by a lady, uh, I think it's Mary uh, Ferguson, I think that's her name. But uh, that is supposed to be, we're supposed to be living in the, the Pisces age, which is the age of reason and logic. But in the other age is coming that there's no reason and logic. This is this higher conscious experience. So we're now moving out of the era of Pisces and we're going to the era of Aquarius, basically. But that is all as a result of a book that was written that advocated for this new, this new leap of consciousness that man is going to go through. It's all speculative. But that is the essence of the New Age movement, that we're moving towards this area of higher consciousness. And the more people who realize this uh, higher consciousness by practicing these different things, by putting all, all their minds together, they will have a transformative effect upon society. So that is their hope. Their hope is that the more people that get to this higher consciousness uh, would be able to have a transformative effect upon the world and upon society. That's why uh, TM, we talked about that some time ago, um, Maharishi, uh, he really believed that if a certain amount of people, I think it was 1 or 2% of the population, would meditate, that it would transform society economically and socially. They've got their faith in a system. Their faith is not in God who is a transformative agent. It's all a humanistic, uh, mystical system that is not rooted in Scripture. It's rooted in the occult, it's rooted in, 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 in uh, Hindu mysticism, and, and also part of the, um, the paganistic beliefs. We have another caller from Antigua, uh, All Saints Road in Belmont. Thank you for calling. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, good night. Pastor Murphy and to the whole listeners. Good night. Hearing you again. Uh, uh, Pastor Murphy, um, what the meaning of the word theology? What? Theology? Uh, it's a study of God. The study of God. It doesn't mean that the person um, is um, uh, ordained to um, or the person worshiping or doing the things of God. Does it? No, no. Theology is the study of God. It comes from two words, theos and ology. Theos yeah, is because, God. Uh, okay, um, because I, I looked it up the other day in the um, Collins Dictionary, right? Uh-huh. And it says about, it's the science about knowing various religions, mm-hmm. or doctrines of various religions, Okay. Okay. Uh, um, is that this is correct? No, the definition, no, as I said, it comes from two Greek words, theos, God, and ology, which is the study of God. So, it has to do, hello? Yeah. So, that, it doesn't mean the person who is a theologian is um, ordained of God to preach his word, does it? Uh, ordained of God to do what? To preach the word. Huh? A, th- a theologian is a person, really, who... who um, studies the biblical doctrine of God and tries to go through the Bible systematically and see what does the Bible teach about God as far as his nature, as far as his attributes. Um, so, yes. so okay, okay. if a person study um, Hinduism, Rastafarism, mm-hmm. and so on, and different um, religions, um, mm-hmm. would you say that person falls in a capital a theologian? That is a theologian? Christianity? That, that, that such a person is a theologian? Yeah, you think no, that, no, 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 that, no, that, that person is not a theologian. So the person has to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to be a theologian? No, a theologian is somebody who studies the biblical doctrine of God. For a person to be considered a biblical theologian, or in an evangelical sense, he has to be a person who studies the doctrine of God from Scripture. 
So, okay, I mean, okay. let me get to some of Sure. Because we reason, coming for reason together, right? I'm going to argue. I reason. No, go ahead. I'm just saying. Right. Um, the caller just talked about, you talked about baptism, right? Yeah. Pastor Murphy, it's simple now. If we believe the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. It's the word baptism, right? Yes. Be careful. Here, yeah. John 3.23 say, for John was baptizing in Jordan because there was much water there. Yeah. So therefore, baptism must be immersion. Yeah. So if a person could just go and sprinkle somebody with water, there would no need to go to a way there much water to be submerged. Mm-hmm. I read some on your dictionary, right? I, I have a Collins dictionary, right? But I read another dictionary, and here what the other dictionary said. The word baptism means sprinkling, poured on, or submerged. Mm-hmm. But my dictionary tells me it only means to be plunged on or to be covered over, to be put beneath. Yeah. That's why John C. 23 says, John was baptized in the end and because he must water there. In other words, it's just fast working. If you go to sprinkling, right, there will no need to people go to Jordan River to John to baptize them. They yeah. could have gone to John Yard, young drum of water, and you sprinkle them and pour the water from them and they baptize. Yeah, okay. let, let me respond very quickly to you. The word uh, for baptism comes from the, the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse. So it always means to immerse. You can't go to Collins Dictionary, Webster Dictionary to get a definition. You've got to go to a theological lexicon, uh, go to some kind of a, a Greek, Greek text, uh, Greek dictionary to find out what the word literally means. So um, I am with you that the, yeah, only, the, the, only, the only legitimate form of baptism... No, Pastor Marvin. Yeah. Let me come in here again now. One time, John C. 22 tell you, right? Mm-hmm. John was baptized in Anon because there wasn't much water there. Yeah. So he had never water to cover the person's body. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question now. When um, John the Baptist was born and, and he uh, began his ministry to end, do you believe he was filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, it said that John was filled with the Holy Ghost from his birth. Okay, okay, okay. Cut it there. What about Jeremiah? Do you believe he was filled with the Holy Ghost? There's no indication in the Bible that he was filled with the Holy Ghost, but it turned the Holy Spirit was upon him because to, to give Scripture, the author of Scripture, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit had to be. But I'll tell you what, there's a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in this dispensation and the coming of the Holy Spirit on an individual in the Old Testament. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will indwell you forever. This was a new experience. Uh, it belonged to the New Testament age. But the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of those in the Old Testament just as he worked in the lives of us today. But he never really indwelt permanently. But even for, even according to the prophecy that um, um, before Je- uh, Jeremiah and Abraham, before you were formed in the womb, I called it to be a prophet of the nation. Don't you believe the Holy Spirit was inside of him? Yes, but what I'm saying is the difference between the Holy Spirit dwelling permanently and the Holy Spirit coming upon a person for a particular mission. That, and again, you can understand why the Holy Spirit could not, and at that time did not indwell, because Jesus said, I have not gone to my Father as yet. The, the, the redemptive work of Christ was not complete. The righteousness of Christ was not put into our conch until Christ was actually crucified. God saved us, in the, saved people in the Old Testament, as it were, uh, always looking to the fact that ultimately Christ would pay the price. So he dealt with us not on the basis that it was already completed. So there were certain things that uh, that could not have been done 
for example, the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell a person because that person is not clothed in the righteousness of Christ as yet. Okay, so, okay, okay. Pastor Bebe. Yes, sir. I'm on the third phone now. I'm on the program to ask questions on each one, each one, and learn from one another, right? Okay. Are you one of those teachers who believe that um, the Church of Jesus Christ is the Bride of Christ? The Church? You know, that's a preacher preach that um, the Church of Jesus Christ is the Bride. Are you one of those? It's the Bride, but the Bible teaches that. Where where do you not find that? And Ephesians make that very clear. Oh, hold on, hold on. In Revelation 21, uh -huh. the angel told John, come let me show you the bride and lamb's wife. Yes. And then what he, uh, what he said after, and he took me up to high mountain and showed me the holy city in New Jerusalem, ascending as a bride. You know the word bride and wife mean the same thing, that's my thing. Yeah, but you've got you to you know, understand there are two different applications there. If you read also the, the, the epistles of Paul, you'll find that the, especially um, Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the church and it talks about comparing it to the to the, um, the, the the marriage person. So, but the Bible makes it very clear that Christ is a bridegroom and okay, the church. The church is the bread of Christ. You're not going to find the pastor. Well, I can't quote it we off my head, but... We agree to disagree, okay? okay? Which one is We're it? We're not argue. We're reason. We agree to disagree. You're not going to find it. Huh. Okay, uh, what... What is off? Yeah, I think so. Okay, thank well, you, thank we, you for the call. What I'll do next time, uh, well, Nathan, we'll... we'll We'll see several texts in the Bible that teach that the church is a bride, and uh, we'll deal with that uh, next time. But um, I don't have access to... I'm not a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes um, I can't give a direct verse immediately, but I know there are several verses that we can use to prove that point. The New Jerusalem is also said to be the bride. There's no dispute about that. But that's another issue. That is where you have to let the Bible interpret the Bible and not impose your own thinking on Scripture. Let the context uh, ex help to explain what the Bible teaching in that matter. Yes, thank you for that call, and we have made a note, and we will definitely we'll start out next week's program with giving you those verses. Uh, the time across the Eastern Caribbean is 821. You are listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, broadcasting from the island of Antigua on 1160 kilohertz AM, 92.3 megahertz FM, and online at www.radiolighthouse.org. This is an interactive program, as you can tell if you've been tuned in for any period of time. And you can call and be put live on the air. We would love for you to call 268-462-7420, 268-462-7420. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question, you can send that to 268-782-1454. Again, WhatsApp or text 268 7821454 If you're joining us on Facebook Live, you can send your question via commenting on the video feed and we will pass it along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we still have 40 minutes left in the program, so let me encourage you to invite others to listen. 
uh, to tune in for the rest of the program tonight and also be encouraging people throughout the week to be tuning into That's Truth. If you have a question that someone asks you at work or maybe a family member, why does the Bible say this? Or why doesn't the Bible say this? Or why do preachers teach that the Bible says this? Make a note of it and contact us and let Pastor Murphy help you to answer it from a biblical perspective. Pastor, we, we're talking about the New Age movement, and you were talking about the different beliefs of the New Age movement. Do you have any more beliefs or maybe dogma that you want to mm-hmm. share? Yeah, I want to uh, come back to what I said, that all is one. Uh, again, this is clearly uh, a radical deviation from the biblical doctrine that God is separate from his creation. The Bible nowhere confuses creation with God and nowhere equates creation with God. Uh, so there is matter and there is spirit, but the two are not the same. And this is the confusion with monism. Monism believes that at the uh, the root of all that there is, there is only one matter, or one that is consciousness, basically. So this is a part. God is transcendent from his creation. He is eminent, but he is not part of the creation itself. He's, he's completely separate from the creation. That's the biblical doctrine, and uh, that's why um, Hinduism basically is a monistic type of teaching as well, that everything ultimately is God, and God is everything. And by the way, let me show you the part of the confusion of that. That is why in the uh, the Indian society, you had what is called the untouchables. You got different groups, the Brahmins and different groups. And that is why it was not compassionate for you to help a person who is in poverty or who is in suffering because you're fighting against God. He's part of God. Everything is one. So there's no need for compassion uh, going on. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So let him go to his karma. He's suffering for something he did in his past life. So there's no reason to help him now. If you help him, as a matter of fact, you will uh, frustrate his development where he moves out of this state of reincarnation. So once you have a monistic theory that everything is one, it's very, very difficult to distinguish uh, man from God. And therefore, if you're helping man, you're, you're hurting God because he's part of God. It leads to total confusion. Why would anybody embrace Hinduism when you look at the st- what Hinduism has done to, to India? Just see the Starving. poverty and the starvation that's yeah. there. By the way, it's only when Christianity was introduced to China, uh, to India, that it had reforms in morality and started to uplift the the untouchables. Uh, I don't think we really fully understand the impact Christianity has had on, on other civilizations, and I don't know why we are now turning away from Christianity and going back to these beggarly elements that ruined civilizations before. It's one of those pathetic things, but it's a reality that's happening today, and we're going to regret it if we haven't regretted it already. I heard someone, or I may have read it in an article recently, that there's enough cattle in India to feed the starving. And there's over a billion people in India to feed the starving people, but because of Hinduism and their religion, their religious views, that they can't eat the cattle, kill the cattle— uh, people are starving. Yeah, because the cow is sacred. I mean, everything about the cow is sacred. And, and But this is where now the West, that's the mystery about the West. The West has become so um, affluent and has become so, um, um, how should I say, is full of things and material things that it has found no satisfaction in materialism. And now it's turning to Hinduism 
where with all of their poverty, and this is a result of the philosophy behind Hinduism, why would we in the West turn to those beggarly elements of Eastern religions? I'm baffled, really, really baffled that it's happening. So, right. so coming back to the idea that all is one, and then the idea all is God as well. Uh, and this is where these, this movement doesn't teach that there's a personal God. It talks about impersonal energy or force or some kind of consciousness, but they can't identify it as something that is personal. So they've substituted a personal God for an impersonal force. And man is part of that force. It's just that he doesn't recognize and he's lost the enlightenment that would let, lead him to understand that he is a little God on the inside and uh, he needs to be enlightened in that regard. Do you think that it's more attractive to secular man to have a God that is a force rather than a personal God because he's not as accountable to them? Well, that's the whole thing. Uh, if you have a, a personal God, you have accountability. If you have an impersonal God, there's no such thing as sin. Uh, there's no such thing as judgment. There's no such thing as hell. There's no such thing. In other words, uh, eventually it, it comes to the point where as you mesh back with this whatever this ultimate force is, that is your heaven, that is your Nevada, uh, Nevada. So uh, I think it's attractive uh, to the secular person not to be held accountable and to believe in a personal God. I do feel that that is a real attraction to, to the modern person. Pastor, we have another caller, a uh, caller back from Belmont. Thank you for calling back. If you can quickly go with your question. Yes, sir. I believe in the Revelation chapter 19, somewhere there, right? I don't know if verse 9, uh, uh, all right? Uh-huh. This scripture that says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Yeah. Now, you may say I have the wrong explanation in terms of this, right? Mm-hmm. But what I believe is this. I believe the Christians are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In other words, Christians will enter the New Jerusalem. I'm not talking about up in the Middle East. The heavenly city, New Jerusalem, mm-hmm. after um, the resurrection and so on, the great white road, God, Yeah. And the new world order, um, the new earth and new heaven and so on, right? Yeah. And he says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage of Babylon. I believe that we Christians are the Christians, are the ones who are the, are the guests and not the bride. Mm-hmm. Okay, you may differ, we may differ, okay? But I believe it's that. Yeah. Well, I'm, ask I, question I, now. Hold yeah, on, hold on. No, no answer yet. Yeah. Hold on, answer yet. Do you know there are a lot of symbols in the Bible, right? That a lot of preachers misinterpret. Right? Let me give you one. This is the same Revelation chapter 19 when it says that Jesus Christ will come down on a white horse and his angels and white horses at the back of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not asking you. The angels, we know, real horse like um, risers and whips and Hear the flashing and hoofs are on back. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you where you really be. Mm-hmm. Now they have spacecraft that go up to heaven and they'll go to the moon and they'll go to Mars and so on. So man have them the so-called horses to ride on. Even on the bonnet of a car, they have so-called name horsepower. Mm-hmm. Horses were always used to go into battle from the ancient of days, okay? Horses, okay? Yeah. What they are, right? Jesus Christ will come down in his type of vehicle, spacecraft, or whatever you call them. I've come down to fight in the battle Armageddon. But, but use a symbol and use the word horses because horses are used to go to battle. Have a good night. Okay, thank you. I, I will respond to your question about the bride uh, next week. There, I do. I, I know that the Christians are going into New Jerusalem, and that's the bride coming down as well. But 
there are other passages in the Bible that makes it quite clear that Christ is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. So we're dealing with two different things, and I, I try to make that clarification. Things that are different are not the same, and sometimes we need to rightly divide the word of truth, and there must be no confusion in these areas. You're listening to That's Truth. Thank you for the caller who called in. If you have a question for Pastor Murphy, you can call 268-462-7420. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text, you can send it to 268-782-1454. We have 29 minutes left in the program, and we are discussing the New Age movement. What is its history? How is it defined? And currently we're discussing its beliefs and uh Pastor, do you have anything else you want to mention about the? No, I, I think we've. I hope I've made it very clear what this all of one is, and the fact that all is God, and we need to understand that Christianity is not a pantheistic religion. There's a transcendent God that stands above His creation, so there'll never be a case where creation and God must be identified. By the way, it's because of this same teaching, this monistic teaching. Uh, monism. Uh, this is why they got worship nature today, and that's why they talk mother God, mo- mother nature, and that's why the idea, this whole new movement about the environmental movement, a lot of this has to do with the, this monistic monistic monism that's taught that everything is one. So you're going back now to nature worship of, of paganism, basically. The other thing is that the third thing is that uh, it also teach that humanity is God. And again, you can see if all is one and one is God all and one is all, therefore man being part of that, man is God as well. And I want to do some, make some quotations here, uh, Nathan. Listen to this quotation. Um, we are gods in disguise. Only ignorance keep us from realizing our divine reality. This is Theodore Razak. Our goal is to awaken to the God who sleeps at the root of the human being. And then uh, Swami Maktunanda um, uh, said, Kneel to yourself, honor and worship your own being. God dwells within you as you. Uh, and the Hindus teach that Atman and Brahma are the same. Okay, which has to do the individual and the universal self are the same. So it is the, uh, the same idea uh, in New Age movement basically that we need to recognize that we are divine and it's only ignorance that keeps us from doing that and it's only by reaching this higher state of consciousness we recognize that we can mesh with this higher consciousness and divinity is actually within ourselves. We have a question that's come in, a WhatsApp question from Antigua. Thank you to the individual who sent it. Pastor, why do some say that there's a gap in the recorded history of Jesus, and I believe they're referencing uh, there's an 18-year period gap that is said to not be recorded, and that during this time period that Jesus went, went to, to India and <laughs> went to Egypt, and he studied under Buddha, he studied uh, Assyrian, under Assyrian gods, and then he returned to Israel uh. and shared that wisdom because he had become enlightened. Why do people teach that? Well, um, there are other non-biblical books. Um, there are other Gospels. I don't know if people are aware of that. But you've got Gospel by Thomas, and you've got other writings that were written by by people. Is that uh, where the Aquarian Gospel would come in? That's part of it. Okay. But there are a lot of other books that we um, that were excluded 
that were not part of the, the, the canon of scriptures, uh, that they were not written at the time they were said they were written, so were all forgeries and false uh, documents. But what has happened that the New Age people and the, those who are part of this whole system have gone back into those particular books and then try to uh, try to account for this period of history that is not recorded, and they fill it in with these false theories that were given in connection uh, with Christ. But again, uh, 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 you read the, 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 the book of Acts, you read the epistles, there are gaps. Uh, there's no reason for, there's no continuity uh, necessarily. There are gaps in the life of Christ. John says that if the things that Christ did were written in the book, not even the whole, the world could control the, uh, the things that were written. So all, we don't have all the miracles that he did. We don't even have all of the teachings that he, he made. Uh, but what we have is what God wanted us to know. And those people who uh, use those type of books, you understand what is going on. They're actually taking... Uh, f- um, writings that were written by the enemies of Christianity uh, and then trying now to fill in the gap by using that kind of literature but there's no there's no base for that whatsoever by the way could I say this um, if it is true that Jesus Christ went to be trained by Buddha and went to Tibet and went to India and get these gurus to teach him <laughs> he's not God Okay, and the biblical doctrine is that Jesus Christ is is God's Son come down on planet Earth. He's not just a man; he is the God Man, right? And uh, and that is why in the New Age movement, Christ is one of the ascended masters. He's not above them. He's just one with Buddha. He's one with Confucius. He's one with Muhammad, uh, and these great religious leaders that preceded him. He's just part of this. He's an avatar, as it were, and uh, these men are available. Just like um, Buddha is available going through this this higher consciousness and tapping into what is called an ascended master and becoming a channel or becoming a medium. But it is all part of the uh, New Age conspiracy uh, to uh, take Christianity and de- de- try to undermine the biblical teaching about Christ. But I would say to the person who um, was called in, try to settle in your mind who Christ really is. If he's not who the Bible claims to be, he can't save you, can't save me. And we're all lost, and we're all doomed. So build up your confidence uh, in what the Bible teaches about Christ. And anything that is thought that is contrary to Scripture is absolutely false. That has to be your conviction as a Christian. If that's not your conviction, you'll all be open to deception. Pastor, we have a caller from Piccadilly. Thank you very much for calling, and go ahead with your question. Um, good evening to your radio host, uh, Pastor Murphy. How are you guys? Uh, good evening, sir. Um, uh, I would just like to, to um, put in a, a little statement. Sure, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Um, the, the book of Revelation never made reference to any particular um, um, what's it, religion um, coming into the kingdom of God uh, or, or, or being in the kingdom of God. It says there's a multitude. I saw a great multitude of people, uh-huh. um, um, different colors and all of that. It never mentioned uh, Muslim, Judaism, Christianity, any, anything at all like that. Uh-huh. All right. um, but, my, but my question to you this evening, um, something that has been bothering me and puzzling me, right? um, is Christianity um, a New Age um, religion? The reason why I ask that question 
right? It's because um, it's because of the, uh, the um, 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 all the other um, entities or symbols that um, Christianity has been adopting for the longest while into itself. For example, I bought a King James Bible um, several years ago. And when I opened the first page, I saw the, the, the tri, quite a symbol in it. Right? And I think you, know, you might know what that is. Um, um, it's, it's something that is used, it's a symbol that's used in um, conjuring spirits and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's being represented as the Trinity, right? Uh. Um, um, also, um, the, the, the apostles, from, from, from studying the Bible, the apostles never really call themselves Christians. Right, that name was given um, given to to them. Um, I don't remember where the place was, but the name was given to them um, from 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 a, from a from another country or whatever the case may be. Right. My question to you is, um, just like how Shadrach, we we taught about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. We're not given their their the actual names or their real names. Uh-huh. Just as Daniel was given the name Belteshazzar, right. but he never accepted his name. Okay, mm-hmm. why do we? Why would we accept um, Christianity on a whole um, to be called Christians and all of that if the disciples, um, um, especially the apostles, did not make mention to it? And I can give you another another example. Stephen, in his um, testimony, he never spoke to Christians, um, uh, making reference to the to the to, to the um, to the church before he called them the church, uh-huh. right? He never he never he never spoke um, calling Christianity or anything like that. Uh-huh. So my question to you is, why now that we are incorporating Christianity? Um, you know, as a part of the body of Christ, when 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 it is not um, when the the apostles themselves, they only start using that after the fact that they were called Christians. But my question to you is, why do we use it today? Why do we use it? And um, uh, you, can, you can give me a reference. You, know, you can give me an um, example. You can you know state your purpose. Well, I I I don't think that the word Christian is something modern. I mean, this goes back to the first century. And uh, the reason why they were called Christians because they said that they saw that they had been with Jesus. That's why they were there. And it was a term of mockery, by the way, because uh, the word Christ and the person of Christ uh, in the first century, I mean, even the Jews saw him as a false messiah. They didn't understand that he was the messiah that the Bible had predicted about. Yeah. And uh, therefore, they did it in a derogatory term, way, but it was actually Jews that um, used the term Christian to describe. They also call him the, those of the way. Mm-hmm. There's another term that is used. Yeah. They also call brethren. Uh, there are a lot of terms that are used, but the term Christian uh, actually is, is, is uh, in terms of people understanding, it's a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's why the term became popular. That's why you get the word Christ from Christian, uh, mm-hmm. Christian, Christian from Christ. So mm-hmm. it's really, it's not, uh, it's perceived as a person who followed the Lord, but there are other terms in the Bible that describes the believer. Uh, he's called brethren. Yeah. Um, the, the, the believers yeah. are also called the, the body of Christ. They're called the yeah. bride of Christ in different Christ, terms. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's just this particular word Christian because mm-hmm. it's associated with the name of Christ. Yeah. And uh, because they were called that term uh, Christians, mm-hmm. it is one of those terms that have continued. But it's not something new. I mean, if you could go back 
you could go master well, almost 2,000 years, you'll find that the word Christian, if you go into the church fathers and you mm -hmm. read their, their books as well, uh, you'll find that the word Christian is not something that was strange. It was something that is just identified with the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's why we use the term. Now, I don't know what uh, mm -hmm. symbolism you talked about in the King James Version. I, I don't have a clue. All I would say to you is uh -huh. that uh, if there was something in there that there's a symbol that uh, misrepresents something in the scriptures, I, I think that, um, I, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know why anybody would do it. I don't know why the authors would do it. I don't uh -huh. know the publishing house would do it. I'm not even assured, you know, it, it may be possible that they use a symbol that they don't even know a thing about. People wear things today, by the way, that I don't know why they do certain things. Mm -hmm. So I don't have an answer for that one. Uh, why, why that, coming back to Revelations now, yeah. the multitude that no man should number. Yeah. If you read what comes before that, uh, you're going to read about, they're going to be evangelists, uh, um, 144,000 evangelists that will go into the world after the church is raptured. Mm -hmm. As a result of their preaching and declaring the, the gospel of the kingdom, right. those people will turn to, to Christ and accept Christ as the Messiah. Okay. Uh, and so uh, it doesn't, there, no Muslim, no Hindu, mm -hmm. no Confucian, no Buddhist, no one, neither me, nor you, nor anybody in Antigua or in Barbados or any part of the world, no one is mm -hmm. ever getting to the Father except coming to the Son. Jesus Christ. They have to come to Jesus Christ. Right. Now that is where Christianity has always been exclusive. Mm -hmm. And we are next. But by the way, we are not the only exclusive religion, you know. The Muslims teach that no one can ever get into heaven unless they accept Muhammad as well. <laughs> so yeah. when people blame Christianity for being exclusive, mm -hmm. it's because they're just completely either willfully ignorant mm -hmm. of the fact that we are not the only exclusive religion. Mm -hmm. Every other major religion claims exclusivity. Mm -hmm. But the Bible tells us very clearly there's only one way, there's only one truth yeah. to, to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And those people in Revelations can only enter the kingdom and only yeah. come to the Father mm -hmm. if when they accept the Messiah as the one, and when they do, they become part of that great multitude. And that has to do during the tribulation period. Now, I don't know what your theology is, so I can't, uh, I don't know if you are, uh, I, I don't know, some people do not believe in the millennium, some people do not believe in the tribulation period. But if you understand what the tribulation period is after the church is raptured, then our Lord comes and deals with the, the, the nations and the world. Yes, and uh, during that period, he sends out uh, evangelists. And the Jehovah's Witness says that that is there, that the 144,000 JW, but that's not true. If you read the account, is yeah. God sending an evangelist? And remember, again, if you don't understand that God is now dealing with the church, yes, but when the church is raptured, mm -hmm. God will graft back in Israel into his plan. Read, read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. You'll see that it tells you in chapter 9, Israel is in unbelief. Yes, sir. Right? And then it tells you that uh, one day Israel's eyes will be open and we will be, she will graft it back into God's plan. It's because of Israel's unbelief the Gentiles will graft it in. It's all explained in Paul's writings, chapter 9, 10, and 11 in Romans. Mm -hmm. But that's why when the church is raptured, now who are going to be the evangelists? That's where the 144,000 are, are mentioned. They're going to all the world proclaiming the kingdom of God is coming. 144,000 male, right? What? 144,000 male, right? No, 144,000 Jews. Yes. 12,000 from each tribe. Yes, 12,000 from each tribe. Yes. And according to the text, it also says uh, male. 
I, I don't, uh, I can't remember it says, uh, but if it says that, it, it just, well, yeah. Exactly. But the important well, thing is that the message yeah. will get out. Mm-hmm. People would hear the message, mm-hmm. and they would repent. You know, you know, the Old Testament people got saved by looking to Jesus coming, that yeah. the Messiah is coming, the One is coming. We get saved by looking back to the fact that He's already come. Yeah. And the Jews know that they will come when their eyes will be fully understand that they crucified the Messiah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the Bible said they will weep for me as a mother weeping for a child when they see my hands and the, the, the scars. They'll recognize that, hey, I can't believe it. We actually crucified our Messiah. Right. But their eyes will one day be open mm-hmm. and uh, they will come to faith and they will become the evangelists to the world. Yeah. during the tribulation period. But those people in Revelation uh, are people who have understood that Christ is a Messiah. Mm-hmm. They want to enter the kingdom and they now understand that the Messiah is Christ. Right. I hope that helps, sir. Right. Not that you necessarily agree with me, but I hope it helps. <laughs> um, it's um, information that, that, that needed. Yeah. Well, I would say, to you, I don't know, there's some good books that I would recommend if you're a man that's searching for, for a lot, you know, sometimes you need to get some good books, but John Walvoord's book on the book of Revelation is a very good book that would help you to uh, fit the, the book of Revelation to understand the book of Revelation. I think that's a f- very, very good book. John Walvoord, you can probably go on the internet. It's called Revelation. Revelation and that would, prob- yeah, that would really help you to... to um, that's one of the main books I've used to give me an understanding of the book of Revelation. All right. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for calling. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for the call. We appreciate the interaction. We have 10 minutes left in the program. Pastor Murphy, got a quote for you. Go ahead. And this comes from Anton LaVey, who is the... Satanic head. Yeah, founder of the Church of Satan. He says, New Agers have freely drawn all manner of satanic material, adapting it to their own hypocritical purposes. But in truth, all New Age labeling is again trying to play the devil's game without using his infernal name. What do you think of that quote? Well, I, I don't dispute what he's saying. I mean, he, he surely recognizes that within the New Age movement, as I mentioned, you've got occult practices, you've got occult beliefs, you've got the Gnostic belief coming in as well. Uh, you also got the um, um, ancient religions coming in. You've got elements of paganism coming in, coming in uh, shamanism coming in. And uh, he's well aware that a lot of the things that are done in New Age movement, a lot of the practices, and we haven't started to deal with those as yet, like uh, visualization and, and stuff like that. Um, he's very aware that this is part of the satanic cult, and therefore I think he has a legitimate right uh, to claim that they're borrowing from the occult and borrowing from the, the, the uh, satanic practices and bringing it in within the New Age movement, sanitizing it as it were, and because it's not no longer associated with the satanic church, people generally would accept accept these things. So I do feel there's some truth to what he's saying. If that's the case, then let me follow it up with this question. Is there ever a place for a Christian to be involved in the New Age movement? I don't know why any believer would want to get involved in the New Age movement. If you understand what it... For example, how can you believe all is one and one is all, that man is divine? Uh, how can you believe that you have to get a higher consciousness by suspending your mind and you're not in control of your mind, you're opening your mind to demonic powers? Uh, how can you believe that ultimately by this higher consciousness that you will create a new social order, a new world order uh, by 
using your 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 new consciousness and everybody meditating and thinking and bring about this change. There's only one way to bring about change and bring about peace. The Prince of Peace has to come back. And only God is able to change and transform this world and make it what it, it, what it should be. Every prophetic book in the, in the New Testament, every one of them, lets us know that we are moving to a terminal point of catastrophe and disaster. We are coming to the man of sin, the great Antichrist, the great rural leader, and we're also told that the whole economic system is going to collapse, so we're going to have a cashless society, and uh, the control will be controlling who can buy and who can sell. This is all predicted in the Bible, uh, and I don't know why any Christian would want to side or be part of a New Age movement. Uh, it seemed to me quite contradictory. We have a caller from Antigua in relation to the 144,000. Go ahead quickly with your question, please. Pastor Murphy? Yes. Um, what kind of, uh, you, you can James Virgin, all the King James Daughter is Virgin, you read? Go ahead. Okay. In the um, King James Daughter is Virgin, right? Uh-huh. As we're listening to chapter 7, right? Okay, I, let me turn to it. Let me turn to it so that we can we can talk. Go ahead. You're right, right, right. And if you hear my cut off, just let me run up the credit I understand, yeah. I, I usually put on top of my phone to um, interact with you because come let's say we even together, right? Okay, go ahead. We're in chapter 7. I, I'm there. Uh, it speaks about 144,000, right? Yes. What you said there, and more than one occasion I hear you repeat that. And many people repeat And some don't agree, some agree. What's that? The 144,000, right? Uh-huh. There's no way in the Bible, no way, uh-huh. that you reveal that after the church is raptured, there's going to be 144,000 people evangelizing the world. Mm-hmm. It's not scriptural. Let me repeat, let me explain it now. Uh-huh. All you have to do, read Revelation chapter 7, right? Uh-huh. And after that, the church is caught up. Mm-hmm. There's an angel ascending into heaven and told an angel on the earth, four angels on earth, hold back the winds. Uh-huh. And to real seal the servants of a God in the forest, right? Uh-huh. So the sealing of the hundred and forty four thousand takes place in heaven. Now even Revelation chapter six verse twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Revelation chapter six verse twelve, right? You are any preach in the world who really are in my God you realize that's where the the church is raptured. Um, you may disagree. Revelation chapter six verse twelve. But the the seal there's no way God is gonna shake up his church in the air. The saints, and then say, I'll leave back 144,000 to evangelize the world. The second instance in the Bible where 144,000 is mentioned by the two instances, Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14. They uh-huh. say, I saw in, um, in Mount Zion 144,000 singing the song of Moses, right? Uh-huh. So all you have to do those two scriptures, then Pastor Murphy, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're not saved, you're not a preacher of the gospel now. But you make a mistake, boss. Mistake. All of you read the two texts. You may say I have it wrong. I'm not telling you. You and all the people who believe there's going to be a hundred and forty-four thousand other people raptured. If one day the world is that scriptural. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask a question. Yeah, listen. What listen. role? What role do you see Israel playing in the future? Israel. Mm-hmm. But you are around Israel, and you say you're not a Jew. I have them Israeli people of Christ going to kill people. I call them Israelis. But I'm asking, what role does it... What, what role does it... I don't believe them are the real Israelites. Oh. That's why you're making the mistake. Okay. Right. I know that... There's people up there who kill our people of Mashiach going to show an eye to Israelis. 
Okay. Right, let me just say this to you, right? If you don't yeah. understand the role that Israel has in the future, you'll never understand Bible prophecy. And I will suggest to you. Now I'll deal. I, I intend to deal with prophecy at some point in time. Yeah. But let me ask you to do something during the weekend or whatever. Read Romans nine, ten, and eleven. Read those three chapters, and then uh, I will give you my telephone number. We can talk about this off the air sometime during the week. Well, my okay. my telephone number at the office is four six two forty two thirty. We can discuss. But you you read those three chapters, and you tell me. What role has God got for Israel in the future? We're we're running a little bit call call it we're running a little bit low on time for the program tonight. We're, we're yeah. There are many you are confusing the great tribulation with the wrath of God. You are no, we're not confusing. We're not confusing it at all. Believe me, we're going to do. Many of you people are doing that. Yeah. Great tribulation is when Antichrist rises up, and Daniel seven twenty one, Daniel chapter seven twenty um twenty one to twenty five, yeah. and Revelation thirteen. What you are doing when the Antichrist is in, 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 in power, right? Y'all are calling the wrath of God. It's a great tribulation. It's after the says the raptors comes the wrath of God. The great tribulation, the wrath of God is not the same as what says then. That's why y'all are making your own mistake. Okay, look, we, we are going to discuss prophecy well, at some we're going to discuss prophecy at some point in time and uh okay, you right, okay, you know, but I can't uh, I can't refer to all of these things that okay. if we want to talk off the air we can do that. Okay. Yeah. But we'll deal with it sometime in the future. Yeah, yeah, we will deal with that in the future. And I appreciate the call. Uh but we are running low on time, and we want to wrap up or uh, come to a, a breaking point for our topic this evening before we come to the end of the program. But we will cover uh, prophecy in the future, which will cover the 144,000, and also uh, your other question about the church uh, being the bride of Christ. And I believe there was a question that you had from last week that we have jotted down in my notes here, and we will also cover that in the future. Thank you for the call. We do appreciate the call. And the time across the Eastern Caribbean, we have three minutes left in the program. Uh, Pastor Murphy, any concerns you were mentioning when we got the call that you didn't see any reason that a believer would want to be part of the New Age movement. Are there ways that the New Age movement, though, has changed our worldview and infiltrated uh, the church without us realizing it? Well, I, I think if you if you don't understand what's happening with the media, for example, a lot of people, media personalities, uh, you take Oprah, Oprah uh, Winfrey, yeah. she is the leading advocate of New Age thinking today. And uh, she, because of her influence, uh, I mean, millions of people listened to her. Uh, remember that she was a Baptist. Uh, she came out Baptist, and she really? re yeah, she rejected uh, uh, the Baptist because, and she rejected Christianity because she, you know, the Bible says that God's a jealous God. She thought that uh, God was very selfish by saying He's a jealous God, and He was very self-centered. She believes that Jesus Christ is an egotist because he's the only way. So she found those words offensive, that God's a jealous God. And as a result, she left 
the Baptist faith and left Christianity, and she's now become a New Ager person, and she's become one of the main voices for the movement. As a matter of fact, on her programs, she has brought on all these New Agers uh, and even used her program to promote the teaching um, on, on this subject. So she's probably done more to pr promote New Age movement in modern times than any other person because she has such a, a large platform. But she is not a Christian in the biblical sense of the word. She really has embraced all of these New Age doctrines I'm talking about, that man is God, that man has his potential. That's to be tapped into. That seems to be a trend that a lot of these cults and a lot of these new religions, they take uh, famous people that are following and use them as the spokespeople to promote the their movement. We will be continuing our discussion next week on the New Age movement. We'll be discussing, ex comparing their beliefs, their core beliefs, to those of Scripture, and then also discussing how we can answer their questions from Scripture, discussing their movement as a whole in much more detail. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all who called in. Thank you for your questions. And we didn't have enough time tonight to cover everything in depth, but we will cover it in a future week. Have a great night, and make sure that you're inviting others to tune in next week. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.